0: Today is National HIV Testing Day, and we here at Black With No Chase are really trying to get the word out. Did you know that Black Americans account for a higher proportion of new HIV diagnoses, those living with HIV, and those who have ever received an AIDS diagnosis compared to other races? In 2016, blacks accounted for 44 percent of hiv diagnoses though they only comprise 12 percent of the u.s population in all communities lack of awareness of hiv status contributes to the risk people who do not know they have hiv cannot take advantage of care and treat stigma fear discrimination and homophobia may place many blacks at higher risk for hiv there are also socioeconomic factors to consider so join us today for an in-depth discussion on the ramifications both mentally and physically of this debilitating disease as well as preventative measures and ways that we can help each other so please tune in you don't want to miss it Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this very special episode of the Black With No Chaser podcast. Uh, with today being HIV awareness testing, we felt that it was important to reach out to you, our fellow followers and listeners, with very informative information about this debilitating disease. Joining me today will be Dr. <laughs> Kalibra Jenkins, who many of you may remember from our mental health awareness uh, episode where she gave you so much valuable information. Well, she's back to th- once again. So, uh, Dr. Jenkins, welcome to the podcast once again.
1: Thanks, Cyrus. Um, I appreciate being able to speak to the masses of such important to um, H- Today is National HIV Testing Day. And um, as you so eloquently put in the commercial for today's podcast, we as African-Americans represent about 44% of the new HIV cases that were diagnosed in 2016. And that's the year that we have the most up-to-date data for. And we say 44%, but we only represent about 12% of the general population. And when you look at the African-American female population, um, in 2016, we comprised 61% of the new HIV cases. Um, and that represented about 4,500 women in the United States being diagnosed with um, HIV. So, the reason that this is so near and dear to my heart is that um, as a psychiatrist, I treat mostly adolescents. And um, actually, in the year 2015 and 2016, I started to treat a lot of young people who. Um, contracted HIV through sexual contact or IV drug use. Mm. And for me, it was a big deal because the vast majority of young people that I'd seen before had been people who had been born with HIV. But now we're in a different era where we have young people who are being diagnosed with HIV secondary to choices um, that they've made. And unfortunately, that's because um, we have not carried the mantle of educating young people about how dangerous HIV is the way that that education was thrust upon us and some of that is because um, HIV is no longer a disease that kills you within a short period of time HIV is now a chronic disease if you treat it appropriately so I don't think that we do um, the community justice when we we don't um, really stand on sex education and community programs that educate our young people about um, what HIV is, how you contract it and what you need to do in order to protect yourself.
0: Now um, that, that last line uh, where you say, you know, how you contract it and what you need to do to protect yourself made me uh, mm-hmm. think to, to ask you, uh, what do you feel are the, the major and, and even minor contributing factors to this to this epidemic that we're having. I mean, those numbers that you just gave out was just mind-blowing. So what do you think is, is bringing all this about?
1: So um, a lot of it has to do with the lack of education. We do not teach sex education in the school systems the way it should be te- right. um, taught. We do not teach it in communities the way it should be taught. Sex is taboo in the black communities. Talking about sex in the black community is something that you do, whether that is heterosexual sex, homo homosexual sex, bisexual sex, whatever it is. Our eyes and acting as if it's not there. It's definitely. When we are not getting tested and we do not know our status, that contributes because most often Black people are having sex with other Black people. When we are in small communities, that pool of sexual partners shrinks. So if you have one person who has HIV in that pool, who does not know his or her status, and they're having unprotected sex with multiple people, you are then contributing to infecting the already small pool of people who, you know, who you have to choose from. So lack of education, not knowing your status. Um, And I think what most people don't realize is that if you have been infected with any STI, sexually transmitted infection, whether that's gonorrhea, chlamydia, chlamydia, trichomonas, um, hepatitis even, if you have been infected with any of those, then you increase your rate of contracting HIV. That is because your body physiologically is now more susceptible to um, being infected by a virus because you have mucosal changes in your body. So You know, a lot of people, you know, talking about being burned and it's, you know, you walk away from that, but you really don't. Your body, even if it's one of those STIs that can be treated and cured, your body still carries the effects of that um, long after the infection has cleared. So not knowing your status, having um, a limited pool of sexual partners, um, having multiple infections of STIs, all of that stuff. Um, plays a role and then when we get to bigger factors like poverty when you're you you when you're of a lower socioeconomic status you don't have access to the education that will help you understand what it is how to contract it how to prevent it you don't you know have access to quality health care that enables you to be able to um, get detected early link you to the types of treatment that you need and retain you in those um, Another statistic that, that is that is very um, eye-opening is that um, of the people who are infected, about 80% know, I'll say 84% or so know that they have HIV. So that leaves wow. you 16% who do not know. So of that, of that 20% who doesn't know, you know none of them are getting treatment. But of that 80%, only about 50% of those people end up being in sustained treatment. So wow. what that is, is a little less, really 46%. So you have less than half of the people who know they're infected end up in treatment that is um, appropriate and long lasting, which means that now I have someone who's infected with the virus that started being treated. Then the treatment stopped. So what the virus did was it got smart. It mutated. So that drug that was successfully treating it at one time will no longer be effective when that person tries to go back and get treatment again. So that contributes to, um, one, that individual having a harder time being treated. But then if that individual subsequently infects someone else, they are also carrying that that mutated virus that is more difficult to treat. So you have greater than 50% of the African-American infected population that is walking around not fully treated. Therefore, their virus is being mutated, which makes it just more and more difficult to treat it as it as it is transmitted to other people.
0: Now, you, um you know, you you just talked a lot about, you know, not being treated and, um you know, or starting treatment and, and not, you know, fully going through with it. Mm -hmm. um are there different types of treatment available as far as you know is it like shots or is it you know different drug cocktails is a combination of both is it any type of uh maybe uh blood transfusion anything like that what types of treatment are available to uh people who contract uh hiv
1: okay so um there are multiple different types of treatment Um, back in the day when hiv was first you know getting a uh, we were first getting a, a handle on what it was uh, people used to get put on a drug cocktail that was you know eight to 12 tablets a day that they had to take um, but now that has been um, now that has been reduced a lot to maybe um, one to three tablets a day so it's still in the pill form there are researchers out there who are working on vaccines um, to help treat um to help, I'm sorry, prevent um, people from being infected with HIV. Right now, something that is um, a very big um, deal is a medication called PrEP. It's called, it stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. So this is a medicine that people who are at high risk would take Every single day to prevent them from becoming infected with HIV, and um, PREP has a ninety rate, percent success rate in reducing the risk of infection in people who would have contracted HIV sexually, and a seventy percent success rate in decreasing the risk of um, transmitting the disease in people who are IV drug users. So you might say, well, you know, who is the person who needs to, you know, take PREP? Um, High risk individuals are defined as people um, who are in non-monogamous relationships with HIV negative persons or people who are HIV positive and have a suppressed viral load. That simply means that they've been taking medications for long enough that um, if you were to test their blood, you can't necessarily detect any active virus replicating. So that's one segment. Then you have um, people who have male partners who have had sex, anal sex, um, or have not used a condom or have an STI. So that's a male partner who's had anal sex, is not using a condom or has an STI. You will be a candidate for PrEP. And then um, the last category is women. Um, heterosexual women who are involved with people and are not using condoms or they are having sex with people who have unknown sexual histories so those are the candidates for people who um, for people who could be taking PrEP which is a prophylactic medicine you do not have HIV yet but you are in a high risk of infecting HIV so they put you on these medicines to keep you from contracting it. <laughs> and again it's a 90 percent Ninety percent success rate um, for people who are contracting it through sex, and a seventy percent success rate for people who are contracting it through IV drug use.
0: So, um, you know, uh, just like you know, we talked about in the uh, mental health podcast, you know, we talked about certain stigmas, you know, associated with you know mental health in the Black communities, and, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's a lot of stigma associated with. HIV and AIDS within the black community uh, As well I remember you know, growing up um, And, and I, I know it was, was wrong then But so many people really didn't know about it But you know I was growing up Being taught that It was a, a, a gay man's disease You know That the only way you catch it If you had uh, unprotected sex With a man And we are seeing now Even you know a few years back uh, that's really not true. Um, what other stigmas associated with this disease have you come across that you can address to uh, inform everybody?
1: So homophobia is a huge, huge, huge um, barrier. It's, it's it, the stigma associated with homophobia is, is is amazing and like i said before in the black community just talking about sex periods that is stigmatized in the black community so we don't do that fear is also um something that's that i believe is is a huge issue a stigmatizing thing in the black community it's almost as if you know you've heard the people say oh i was fine until i went to, went to the hospital now i have high blood pressure and diabetes well, you had those things before, you just didn't know. So again, we want to close our eyes to it and ignore and hope that it goes away. So fear, homophobia, um, the stigma that's associated just to talking about sex, all of those things, um, poverty as well as contributing factors to how we get ourselves in a situation, where um, we are being adversely and disproportionately affected by HIV when we look at other communities. Even other communities of color, you know, sixty-one percent of you know the new cases in in, in twenty sixteen were African American women. <laughs> 19% were white, 16% were Latino. So even though we have seen a, a decrease in the rate, like between the years of 2011 and 2015, there's a 20% decrease in the rate of individuals, of black women infected with HIV, but there's still this huge disproportionality when it, when we're looking at white women versus black women versus Hispanic women. So we've still got a long, long way to go.
0: Yeah. Um you know, you, you said something a little, little earlier, um, about people saying, you know, how we say, like you just said, we, we go to the hospital. I didn't have these problems until I went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I noticed about our community, you know, black people in general, we have this this feeling that we can just pray it away. You know. Yeah. And I I don't know how, you know, many times my, my grandmother used to say, oh, baby, just pray about it, you know. Um, and, and we we have become so so reactive instead of being proactive when it comes right. to a lot of things, whether it be, like you said, diabetes, high blood pressure, mental health, AIDS, HIV, so mm-hmm. you know, what um, what would you suggest to to someone who who feels they may be at risk or um, th- or thinking they're at risk, who who should they contact first?
1: Well, the first thing you want to do is know your status. You know, I, I think I think about having the conversations. You know, I would I would ask, Well, when was the last time was I when was the last time that I went and got an HIV test and I'm thinking for me myself Calibri Dr. Jenkins was the last time I had an HIV test and when I was preparing for this I was like oh my god I haven't had an HIV test since I gave birth to my kid who was about to turn five but then I thought mm, nope I had one February of 2017 it is June of 2018 which means I am behind which so the question is who should be who should be tested If you are sexually active, you should be tested, okay? If you are a sexually active person who has an HIV-positive partner, you should be tested every single year. If you are sexually active and you are engaging in sexual relationships with partners of unknown HIV status, you should be tested. If you have had more than one sexual partner since your last HIV test, you should be tested if you have shared needles or traded sex for drugs or money. You should be tested if you have had an STI in the last year. You should be tested, and if you are having sex with somebody again and you do not know their sexual history, you should be tested every single year. So that's basically saying if you have had sex, you should be tested every year because, in all honesty. Even if you are dating someone monogamously, you have no idea what they are doing. If you are dating somebody or you are married, you don't you may not necessarily know what that person's past sexual history is. You cannot count on them to have given you 100 percent of the information. So it's up to us to make sure that we are doing that.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um uh, one, one thing that, that I did wanna ask you, um, because you, you mentioned earlier about you know, you're now dealing with with young teenagers, kids basically, who have HIV and AIDS who, you know, contracted it through through sex instead of you know being born with it or whatever. Um what type of um what type of, of mental stress and anguish have you, you know, noticed in, in people with HIV, like, the severity of it? Um, like, does it does it cause depression? Uh, does it increase the of suicide? What have you seen um, from the mental aspect of it when it comes to this disease?
1: Okay, so let's talk about that from two standpoints. We're going to talk about it from the standpoint of what effect does having a pre-existing mental health um diagnosis or condition have on your um choices when it comes to sexuality and then we'll talk about the mental health um ramifications of being diagnosed so um there was a study done recently of african-american females um where it looked at a couple of um things religiosity and mental health effects on condom use and number of partners and what that what that study found is that um, how religious your mother is or your primary caretaker is does have a slight positive effect on your um, use of condoms, but has no effect on your, the number of people that you choose to sleep with. What was most interesting is that it's, the study found that young people who suffer from depression And anxiety or who exhibit a lot of rule-breaking behaviors tend to have a higher number of sexual partners, okay? So your depressed kids, your kids who are anxious and worried about what people will think of them, your your young people who are um, acting out and breaking rules all the time, these are young people who are having sex with a greater number of people. Okay, You would think that girls who maybe are a little bit aggressive or um, a, little more, a little more violent may hang out with the boys more, which may lead to them having a greater number of sexual partners. But what was found is that those young ladies who are more aggressive actually have fewer number of sexual partners. So we do see that if you suffer from depression, you suffer from anxiety that you are more likely to make decisions that put you at risk for um, contracting an STI or HIV in the long run by increasing the number of um, sexual partners that you have had. Now, for young people who are diagnosed with HIV, what kind of ramifications um, have I seen with those young people? Um, Unfortunately, the vast majority of the young people who I've seen were initially diagnosed with HIV. There was absolutely no reaction. They carried on with life as though it was normal. It was almost as if they um, took that information and buried it. Um, But in the long run, six months to a year after those young people have had that diagnosis, um, I see a lot of anxiety. I see suicidal thoughts. I see um, depression. I see um, self-injurious self injurious behavior where they're cutting or then they are um, burning themselves with cigarettes. So you do have a lot of adverse effects and I think that this also comes from the fact again, we don't talk about sexuality. So if we're not talking about if you're having sex, we're definitely not talking about what to do if you've been Diagnosed with a sexually transmitted infection, um, so those young people are left situation on their own initially, and because they're dealing with it on their own, have negative consequences.
0: Okay, <clears throat> now um, I, I do have you know one last uh, question for you, um, you know, and it, it pretty much pertains to uh, like help available um because i mean sometimes people just need someone to talk to, to to spur them to do you know some of the things you should suggest like getting tested or you know getting help and treatment so are there any uh resources available uh you know hotlines or places that they can go to for that help to to spur treatment
1: um so if I were an individual who were looking for treatment um, the, or testing, the first place that I would go is either to my primary care physician, um, because that person is definitely able to provide an HIV test and link you to appropriate um, treatment options um, to make to make sure that you um, are getting the care that you need. But if you want to be anonymous, you don't want anybody to know that you're being tested, the second option would be your local um, Department of Health, because those, those places offer free testing for HIV and STIs, and um, they can link you, if your test is positive, with things like the No AIDS Task Force or um, other organizations in the community that provide free treatment for individuals who have tested positive for HIV. Um, so those are the two places that I would go initially, um, and then based on your test results, following the guidance of those organizations to get you to the proper care.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the very informative, the very brilliant Dr. Kalibra Jenkins. As always, Dr. Jenkins, thank you for stopping by and blessing us with your knowledge, blessing us with your love, blessing us with your overall presence. I just can't thank you enough. For the listeners, I hope that this information that she gave us is well received by you with the hopes that it helps you or someone that you may know who is struggling right now with HIV AIDS or just don't know to go get tested. So I hope that you enjoy this podcast. I hope that it helps you please follow us on Facebook at black window chaser. You can also follow us on Twitter at black. No chaser as well as Facebook at black window chaser as always. Thank you for the love and support. We really appreciate it. We'll see you on the next podcast.